Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I talk about getting back to running. Living in Canada, many people will take a bit of a break from outdoor running during the winter months, and as we approach spring, many will be looking to get outside and start training more regular kilometers. We wanted to review a few elements we feel could really help our patients getting back to running and talk about the opportunity to improve skill, your skill of running or to develop a more robust base every single year when you start getting back to more regular mileage. The goal develop a sustainable running practice and prevent injuries that we see so commonly in clinic. This episode is sponsored by the TFC Foot Nerd Program. It's an online-based education platform that we launched this year to help build a global network of people who understand the body, starting at the feet and the hips, and can help others resolve their problems. The program was also created to expand our TFC instructor team so that we can scale up our seminars and workshops and give more of them around the world each year. February selections have been made, but the next round of applications for the June group will open again in May. Module 1 is available for download online, and it describes why we created the program, what's included, the costs, how to apply, and any other relevant information if you're curious. For more information on that, go to thefootcollective.com and click on the Foot Nerd Program tab. This episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear and electronics uh, for our seminars and workshops. They make super high quality cases in Canada that keep your electronics safe during travel, and you can check out their cases at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. Hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dig into it. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet or the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick and Mike back for another episode of Shop Talk. Today's topic is going to be back to running. And, you know, we're in Canada. We're getting to the end of winter. A lot of times people are taking a bit of a break from long mileage and outdoor running. Uh, during winter and they're getting back to running soon uh, within the next month or so so we figured it'd be a good opportunity to do a podcast about back to running um, both applying to people that are getting back outside but also applying to people that want to either change how they run or anyone looking to get into running so we want to cover some of the points that we feel are relevant we've done one on running before but um, definitely some stuff to cover today that maybe we didn't speak about in the past and uh Anyway, we hope it benefits any of the runners out there or any aspiring runners. Um, so like we said, weather's clearing up, people are getting back outside. I'm sure some of you know your patients are thinking of getting back outside and, and starting to ramp up their mileage again. So, you know, when we when people are getting back to running after kind of a hiatus, a lot of times that hiatus also involves a, a lot of sitting. Yeah. Right. And when and it's just not doing the thing things that would maintain or produce that that tissue tolerance to being able to run Mm -hmm. so like i would say it doesn't even matter if what you were running before i think that's one of the first things to consider let's say you finished with running like 10ks last season right Mm -hmm. that just don't don't put that in your head think about starting to build the base back up now for those who have run season after season it's probably going to be quicker to build back up to that but for a lot of those who are kind of new to it, just because maybe you started last season or you've got a few seasons under your belt, start from scratch again. And then, like we'll talk about, the intuitive part of it, building that tolerance back up to the point where you're then keeping track of distances a bit more. 
But I think you should throw distances out the window for the first little bit as you build the tolerance back up and listen to your actual body. And especially if, you know, if last season you had an injury or you're the kind of runner that every single year seems to have these little nagging injuries, whether it's something that actually stops you from running or especially if it's something that affects your training, like now is an opportunity. You have this opportunity every year if you took a bit of a break to to look back and be like, okay, my goal this year is to not get injured, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's sustainable running involves developing a resilient bulletproof body that doesn't constantly get injured because we're not supposed to, you know? So I think injuries or areas of pain are an indicator that, okay, I can improve my running efficiency. And we, you know, we talk about this all the time, working on the skill of running instead of just going out for a run, these mileage addicts that just care about putting in the miles or the kilometers every single week that their program says they're supposed to do um, and caring less about how they're actually moving is really the, you know, shifting that focus to how you're moving is what is what makes it so that you don't get injured every year. Yeah, and and I think that like getting it's like anything else. If you get injured in your training, it's very silly. So if even if you are training yeah. for like a race, maybe there is a race at the end of the summer or mid, whatever, you have a race in mind that you want to train for. Um, at least don't get injured in your training, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like a fighter who goes in, like if, if fighter breaks his arm in training, can't even fight. It's like, well, yeah, what's the makes point no of that? Sense. Maybe you get hurt a little bit in your fight because that's what you, but that's what you've trained for over time. You've trained to develop the resilience um, to be able to perform at your best when the competition comes and maybe you overdo it a little bit in the competition. Maybe you consider that okay because that's your competition and you've trained all the way for that. Yeah. But like I said, don't get hurt training for the competition because that's just, very silly and one thing that we you know one of the first things that we had just kind of mentioned before starting this um this episode is intuitive running like make the first six to eight weeks of when you're getting back to running kind of intuitive running where you're listening to your body it's like okay it doesn't really matter what you know whatever program you're ascribing to or you're trying out this this year tells you to run each day go based on how you're feeling how do i feel today you know, how does how does every kilometer feel? When do I feel myself breaking down to where my running form isn't as crisp? You know, when is the mm-hmm. fatigue starting to affect me? And then, you know, maybe it's not completely stopping your run, but maybe it's going for like doing a bit of walking. Yeah. Getting, so I think- focusing on your breath, like make it intuitive so that you self-restrict yourself from pushing beyond the point where you're actually running correctly. Yeah, because in those first six to eight weeks anyways, it takes that amount of time to actually start building up like structural tissue tolerance, right? As we mm-hmm. know from all the studies, like, um, so that's probably a good window, those first six to eight weeks. Again, it can, it can change, it'd be slightly less, slightly more, but um, to just kind of look at it as building your base in those first six to eight weeks. Yeah. Don't even be concerned about how much you're how much you're running. Be concerned about how much should I be running based on how I'm feeling and based on if I'm ready for it. Um, so, so the intuitive nature in it, and that's a good time to build that base up. Um, you could hardly run at all in those first six to eight weeks and actually be putting in extremely beneficial work in just mm-hmm. building, like you said, the base of the pyramid, right? The base of the pyramid is a uh, baseline level of tissue tolerance with your springs, right? Like skip, we'll, we'll talk about um, using skipping, programming skipping as a way to kind of build uh, robustness in your springs. Strength, a baseline level of strength. Mobility is this huge one. And it's a weird one because people... When you get someone to understand the importance of mobility, right, the importance of their hardware moving like it should in order to actually exhibit optimal running technique, when people are running a lot of mileage or when they're quote-unquote in season, they pay attention to having a mobility practice. But I think for some people, it seems like, you know, you get a patient in after the winter and then you get them in and you're like, let's see what your squat looks like. And it's like they totally forgot that joint hygiene was important when they weren't running. 
and it's mm-hmm. getting the point across that like okay what you're doing outside of running is actually some of the most important stuff when it comes to being a good runner yeah you know so having well, a mobility practice exactly and we'll get to that like the, the biggest thing i would say first first pointer that we're trying to get across is that start slow and we need to build build up from the base right mm-hmm. during that time don't think about mileage think about building that base up and developing that tissue tolerance now the skipping is that might be a great thing to do while you're trying to build this base up because mm-hmm. like you say it might not be maybe you do less mileage on the road but you start to do a little bit more things like skipping like even like barefoot skipping um, in the gym or around your house or whatever just to start build up building up that achilles capacity that could be maybe a nice implementation so you're not out there running every single day um, you're doing something like that to to kind of help with that base and hopping and skipping don't get us wrong we don't just mean with a skipping rope like in the seminar we do that spring tuning section where we do like this gradual progression from very very easy uh low impact low amplitude um hopping all the way up to like as high as you can double leg hops Mm -hmm. so so you can around the house like if you have 30 seconds if you're cooking something and you want to take a little break just hop up and down for 30 seconds time yourself you know you can do intervals of five sets of 30 seconds of hopping at whatever your tolerance is at Mm -hmm. and just build up that tolerance get your body used to the fact that okay these my my giant springs and elastics that we you know achilles tendons are designed to absorb and store energy and re-release it teach your body how to build up a tolerance so it's capable of doing that when you actually go out for a run you don't feel like someone sliced both your calves in half exactly and like and like yeah invest in a skipping rope because it's a good training tool it's probably one of the more applicable training tools specifically for building that tolerance up and for yeah. running um the other thing would be just consider doing walk run combos doesn't even matter you could be you could have ran a marathon and taken the winner off start with rock run one walk run combos again yeah doesn't matter um don't let it be an ego thing where you just want to start right off the bat and get into it um i know that's what i do like you just want to see how you respond to it and then it's like anything if i take even a month off of the i don't really do that but if i took like a couple of weeks off of the gym and i went back and did like a a heavy uh squat deadlift workout i know i'm not gonna be able to walk for like a week and <laughs> probably best to maybe note that and and because i've had that many times yeah. If I tried to max out after that time, I would just I'd destroy myself. So so what I typically do now is just get a couple of workouts in to build the base back up like anything. So you just do some light yeah. uh, pattern light stuff, stuff, some body weight stuff, some some light kettlebell stuff. Get a couple workouts in. You probably still feel it a little bit like anything. If you're starting fresh again, you'll still feel it. But you don't want to blow yourself out the first time back because you're not used to it. Everyone seems to do that. They go out for a run. They're like... People just assume, this. that's another thing too, people just assume the first run always is going to suck or the first like two weeks of training is always going to suck. Well, d- FYI, it doesn't have to. Yeah. It means you did too much too soon and you, like, you know, no one ever looked back and did something over eight weeks um, and, you know, blew themselves out on the first week or two versus progressed up gradually. No one ever looked back and, and thought that blowing themselves out in the first two weeks was a good idea. You no. know, just be patient. And what, you're going to feel nothing something. to lose. Like you're gonna feel something from starting, but again, don't make don't make it put the brakes on because what happened? I've I've had that many times. You do that crazy leg workout, and then you can't walk, and then you can't train for another like week yeah. uh, aggressively. So then it's like it, so you missed out. That actually puts you on halt. Whereas I could have gotten a few more workouts in if I just took it more uh, the right way. So that's kind of. I think that's the first point is just abiding by more of that like specific adaptation to impose demand principle, said principle, um, starting to build that base up and just forgetting about the mileage at the start um, and, and just kind of 
take yourself back to the to the person who's just starting out. Have that mindset of just I'm just starting again. Um, let's look at the long term. Let's just get a few runs under my belt. I don't care what I did. Um, let's just get back to the basics and and just listen to my body and be intuitive with it. See how I respond to these first few runs, and then either ramp up, keep it status quo, or again ramp down a little bit, keep recovered, ramp up again. So so it's just always just finding that balance where. I feel I'm overtraining, right? I feel like I maybe you shouldn't go for that run just because it says so um, yeah. on your schedule or just because you told yourself you should um, if you're feeling like shit and if you're, you're in pain after like a first, the first few runs. So And even like, okay, underlying principle, this is like we're talking about the base of the pyramid in terms of training, but under the foundation of that whole pyramid, if you're a runner and you want to run sustainably and you want to run for the rest of your life and you're seriously committing to the 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 sport or the activity of running become informed about running right Mm -hmm. read about it you know people like there's really smart people out there talking about running jay desherry brian mckenzie nicholas romanov they all have books and all those books are not geared towards the health professional or some you know they simplify running and and understanding the movement of running understanding different theories and different takes on training on strengthening that you have to do uh, as the base of your pyramid if you understand running better, you will be a better runner, right? Like you just have more data to go based on and, and to shape your training in a way that's more sustainable. So just learn about running and, mm-hmm. and, and self-experiment too. Like try something. Don't be afraid to try things and, and, and be patient. And I think that's a common theme in all those guys' books is just be patient. Like don't rush mm-hmm. things and be informed about how you should be shaping your training. Don't do it the old school way of you know, the way way back when where we had this cookie cutter approach to running where all runners are supposed to train this way. It's like, that's old stuff. And a lot of people are still training with those principles in mind. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so I think that's a good time to switch to the next thing that we want to talk about is like focusing on the skill of running this season. So if you're starting fresh um, this season, or if you're a new runner, um, really take that that info. So looking a little bit deeper into uh, the technique of running, um, you know, all of these principles that can, can help you along and, and be, um, so you can be more of a pain-free, injury-free, sustainable runner over time. Um, so and I think it's performance too. Like you're a better, you're, you yeah. will run faster. You will run more efficiently if you are better at the skill of running. In the long run, you're going to be better at running if you do it yeah. properly. It's like, it's like lift, uh, weightlifting or anything like you, if you take the sport of weightlifting, um, those who practice technique, and, and really get a base will end up if you looked at like a graph they're just going to slowly outpace over time yeah. the person who just tries to max snatch and clean right off the bat and has no fundamentals of technique the, if they don't get injured along the way their technique's going to limit them at some point because yeah. they don't have something in in place they either don't have the mobility the technique they're guaranteed they just to get haven't injured. put in the reps over time the also. slow practicing reps over time that's allowed them to build a base yeah. to which um that base allows them to perform at a high sustainable level over time so I think that's what, and that's basically, you could look at any, any skill or any, any sport, anything like that. And it's those who drill the fundamentals right off the bat and slowly build up over time with that long-term mindset, as opposed to a short-term mindset, they yeah. get the furthest and don't break down the most. Yeah. And you know, when you, we, another thing we talk about in our seminar is like the human form as it is currently today is really very similar to the human form. Well, it's the same in terms of hardware that it was 10,000 years ago. Right. So the human body has perfected these kind of parts, right? Let's call it specialized parts, machinery in our body 
that have evolved to allow us to be the best endurance running machines on the planet. But you can only take advantage of millions of years of evolution to refine these parts to perfect them for endurance running if you have a body that reflects what a body was supposed to be like way back when. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if you have a hip that can't extend and you have ankles that don't dorsiflex, you are no longer capable of exhibiting the running form that takes advantage of those you know, specialized parts that we've evolved to run. And I think just kind of you know the mismatch between what we do with our bodies now and one element of that is footwear right we're not going to talk a lot about footwear because i think anyone that listens to this knows our opinion of footwear and the cole's notes on footwear and running is at the end of the day how you run is the most important but don't underestimate how much the shoes that you wear on your feet can affect how you run mm-hmm. daniel lieberman said it like that and that was so crisp no fat and it's so true if you wear shoe yes you can run with good technique with cushioned shoes but the average person is allowed to heel strike and is allowed to run in a way that's very strange when they put a cushion shoe on. And that could be the biggest kind of element that allows you to continue running and exhibiting that poor technique. You know, we talk about if you take your shoes off and you run barefoot or you run in a shoe with no heel cushioning and with a flat sole, you're no longer afforded the luxury of heel striking and running shitty. That's the thing. Right? And that would, I would argue is... It doesn't mean you're ready to run in that. Yeah. But it doesn't let you run poorly. And that would be probably a good way to help build your base up. And whether you choose, it, it all depends. It all depends on what your goals are and how long you're going to be, how uh, how much you're going to be running and, and what, if you're if you're going to be competing and all of that. But, but everyone's goal is to, should be to be a better runner, right? To exhibit more optimal running I technique. I think that's, that's the main be. point of, of what we're talking about now is that maybe this is a good time, if you, especially if you're starting new or starting fresh after a season off. Maybe it's a good time to really make it the season you prioritize the skill of it mm-hmm. and the technique of it, or just just looking at all of these things from a from a kind of an outsider perspective and, and a well rounded perspective, so you can make yourself. Maybe it's the season you say, "I'm not gonna, I, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna get hurt this season, right? I'm not gonna, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm gonna be healthy and I'm gonna be able to not." run through i don't want to be running through pain this season maybe that's, that's possible a good goal. fii for every yeah. single person listening to this that's the thing so or i'm going to listen to my body better this season so so that's uh i think these are some things that maybe a lot of people forget about and they're just kind of kind of confused about um or maybe it is the season that you want to transition to more of a minimalist style shoe that is another good uh goal especially it's easier to, to start kind of fresh doing that as opposed to like your mid run season, you're training for like a marathon halfway through it. Probably not the best time to start thinking about transitioning right then. If you're, if you've built up this base um, with a specific shoe, it's just going to increase the the loading going through your lower extremity. Um, maybe you're not ready for that yet. You have to build it up again. So the only caveat to that would be that same runner. Yes, maybe that's not the right time, but if that person's running through pain, it's always a good time to switch to better footwear and to focus on the technique of running. Because, yeah. okay, what is it really the end of the world? Are you going to look back when you're 70 and say, I'm glad I trained for that marathon through pain and now I have a knee that has a hole in it? Like, is, Well, you know? it's not going to happen in... Um, yeah, I mean, it, that's kind of... But it's, it's part of that whole time. process, right? Yeah. It's like, decide to, be a be- decide to move better because yeah. it costs you over time. Like, it's really... You know, being a good runner or, or training for running should never come at the expense of a body that lets you move like you want to later in life. You know, like sure. running should never come at the expense of health. And for a lot of people, well, it should. It is being a good runner is a is an example of good health mm-hmm. because it requires a lot of stuff. 
for sure. So, so you I think talk that, about that stuff now. We go into mobility. Yeah. So, I think this is another good thing to note if you're starting fresh this season is that we've talked about the running piece already. So, building a base up for running, adding some other things that can help you build the tissue tolerance up. Skipping. We talked about hopping, um, and then maybe looking at skill. But I think the other thing is what happens outside of running. So. The things that you're doing outside of running, are they helping your running or are they neutral or are they hurting your running? So it mm-hmm. depends. Um, now, we could go off track into the all the lifestyle things like your the way your office is set up and all that. But even just take it more specifically to your like your training. Are you doing things in your training outside of your specific running that are helping you? Um, and that could be both mobility training and strength training. Let's talk about that. So some mobility training, first of all. Um, what are you doing? Do you have the prerequisite mobility? Do you have the mobility that you feel like you should have or that you should objectively have to run? If you don't, are you working on it? Or if you do have it, are you doing things to just just maintain it? So just that joint hygiene, just maintaining tissue health, uh, joint mobility over time. Because it Um, is like it's an ongoing, once you have it, it's not game over. Like once you have it, it's easier to maintain once you've got it than it is to achieve it. Yeah. But once you have it it's not like okay perfect i'm good i'm done it's like it's a in 2019 it's a constant battle to maintain optimal mobility when we have so many things deeply ingrained into society we talked about that before so you you need to have a a joint hygiene program you need to you need to have hard screens that you can be honest with yourself and check and say oh geez i'm tight today because i can't do i can't achieve this position check recheck the positions and then and then just work on it as needed Again, offset the other things that might be going against your running specific mobility in this case. So maybe like the sitting eight hours you do at your office, that's probably a big uh, thing that's affecting your running specific mobility. Um, So what are you doing to just prepare yourself, prepare your body outside of running to allow you to run so you can focus on the running and the skill of running and the tissue tolerance of running without having these, these other things that are might be hampering your running. Um, so I think that if you have your mobility, do things to just constantly just check it, keep it, explore uh, it on a daily basis, it. do other things. Um, you know, maybe it's your own thing. Maybe you, you do, uh, you can like strength training and mobility kind of go hand in hand too. Um, but uh, maybe you just make a, a habit at night, um, in doing some recovery work because it's both kind of maintaining joint mobility and also just kind of that down regulation piece too. So just maintaining like your overall, like making sure your tissues aren't getting too hot or you're not overloading yourself and you're recovering well. And again, you can all go into like off track again into like the sleep, nutrition, all the other things that you're doing in your life. Are they helping your running or are they not helping your running? Um, but just to keep it a bit more specific. And everyone should try and work towards being their own independent barometer of how their body's doing. Like you shouldn't have to go to your physical therapist or your doctor and say like, how are my joints doing? How are my muscles doing? You know, you might or, have or to is this have first... too much soreness or is this, you know, like you should... The goal should always be to get better at feeling your body and knowing when you're doing too much, when you need to ramp up the recovery side, when you need to take a day or two off running. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you're right. And initially, you might have to consult someone and, and have them give you advice on understanding those paths. But eventually, it's like, you know, our goal in the clinic is always make people more independent, right? Always make yeah. them better, able to troubleshoot their body with the little things. Because every single day of training is essentially an experiment to see whether you did too much or too little or whether you got more in the tank or whether you need to focus on on you know recovery elements. So get 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 better at understanding when you need to prioritize what. That's the thing. Like it was interesting just a little side side note is that I was watching this 
this program. Uh, this is like documentary on the four runners. I've mentioned it before who were trying to break the two hour marathon. Yeah, I watched that. It was good. Yeah, no, it was crazy. But but one of the guys who was saying he was saying that his in like cardio and endurance was not his was not what was limiting him. It was his speed and technique. So he he actually couldn't maintain the actual speed. He he was working all these like kind of sprinting style drills and stuff because it. He he's like I can run for days. It's not that that's limiting me. So you can apply that same concept um, to whatever. Like maybe endurance is not what you need to work on. Maybe it is more the mobility that you need to prioritize, mm-hmm. or maybe it's your technique that's the biggest factor. So maybe you choose like what is the biggest thing that I want to work on, or maybe it is the endurance. Maybe maybe you you have everything and it's like no, I literally need to build a bigger gas tank. That could mm-hmm. be it too. Yeah. But whatever it happens to be, there's always going to be some like low hanging fruit where it's like this is getting in the way of the other things that are allowing me to to run so i should work on that first or at least work on it at the same time as i do the other things and really just don't forget about it because a lot of people just want to forget about the things that they can't really do and they just go with the things they can they're like well i can run 10ks let's just keep running 10k that's cool um but they just forget about the other stuff and it's it is a challenge too like it's that rate whatever you just said that that rate limiting step there's always one thing that is the rate limiting step so that all the other stuff it doesn't matter if you train them that one thing is holding you back that rate limiting step is dynamic because as soon as you work on that, maybe now that goes into the ladder to where that's no longer the priority rate limiting step, right? So it's getting good. And that's that's what I said with, you know, being informed about running, reading books. It, it gives you a better idea on how to determine w- how to feel or how to just kind of understand what is my rate limiting step right now? What things can I do to test what my rate limiting step is? Exactly. And I think, again, one more cross-reference to like weightlifting, um, is that you'll see a lot of people, it's always technique, technique, technique. And then at some point, once people drill technique enough, then it's like, okay, well, now we need strength. And you'll see these weightlifters just doing like pure squat regimens for a while. And they're like, I just need to build my actual strength up. Yeah. And that's kind of like the cardio, but they, they do it the right way. They're like, let's build technique. And then we'll think about building the endurance on top of that mm-hmm. in the form of strength in this case. Runners do it the opposite way. Runners do it the opposite <laughs> way. Let's think about endurance first. And then maybe we break down and then we have to think about technique. So I think just flipping that on its head, because um, endurance is always, it's easy to like, it's never easy, but but it's easier to get endurance. It's harder yeah, to it's get easier. technique. You're like right. I could plop you on a an assault bike and get you to do intervals, and that would actually help your uh, endurance in running too. Mm-hmm. I, I could I could get you to do cardio in different forms that don't even involve running, and that would build your gas tank up. Mm-hmm. It's not just a gas tank thing. Um, so I think that that should be almost the last thing we look at, not the first thing we look at. Yeah, like if you were working on your gas tank, but you're you're you know in a car, okay. You have a car that's not driving very well. It seems to run out of gas super, super quickly. And all you're doing is refilling that gas tank or trying to work on, oh, shit, you know, my car's not getting good mileage. I got to put in, instead of a 50 liter tank, I'm going to put in a 100 liter tank. Mm-hmm. But all your wheels are out of alignment and that's why your car's moving in. Or it's the way you're driving it. You, you just gun it on every, yeah. right? So, so <laughs> yeah. it's the way you're driving the car. Exactly. Um, Take a look back and say like, is it really putting in a bigger gas tank that is... Is that really the thing I need to do right now? Or do I need to focus on, oh, shit, my tire, one of my tires isn't even moving. And that's why I'm so inefficient. I could just change that tire. And that 50 liter tank almost feels like it drives like a 200 liter tank now. Well, that's the other thing, because like your the skill and efficiency you have will actually allow for a more efficient uh, use of that gas tank anyways. So it will help you build that gas tank in the end. And and, so and when it comes to technique, you know, Jay Sherry says it well, form follows function. So if you try and change, if you try and change the way you run, your running technique, without changing how the parts move, 
you're not really going to get anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're, how you run is an expression of the mobility you have available. So one of the easiest ways to change how you run is change the mobility you have access to, right? Yeah. Change your environment um, to facilitate changing that mobility. Change your footwear so that you are forced to change how you run. Um, you know, work on your hip extension. Then you just have literally more propulsion and more more room to express a different running technique. So I think, you know, changing technique, a lot of it has to do with, you know, taking away things that allow you to use a poor technique or changing your body so that you're actually being allowed to exhibit a different technique. So mobility is a big one. And like you said, it's what are you doing outside of running and is it helping or hindering you, right? Do you have a joint hygiene routine where you're working actively on building the mobility that you need to be, that you need to have in order to express good running technique, efficient injury, um, injury demoting running technique, Mm. right? So I think that's, that's, I think that's the big rate limiting step for a lot of people because it's, like we said, it's that constant battle. And I don't think people understand how big of a battle it is to maintain mobility. Like you don't sit mm-hmm. very much, right? No. And you work on mobility on a daily basis, right? Yeah. Same with me. And it's like, we don't even sit that much and we find it's hard to, like, you need to be consistent. I think I take that for granted because I often get asked that, like, how much per day do you work on this? And then... But you just forget about how much little things you do all the time. Yeah. Like I'm just antsy right now. So like pulling, you know, pulling your leg, like whatever, yeah. you pull your leg up and then <laughs> exactly. so you're doing little things all day. And then you're you know, in the clinic showing people mobilizations or showing people exercises. That's all stuff. So throughout the day, it's just kind of constant. And, you know, we're lucky that we have a a, a workplace and a, the ability to do this. So it's not like, it's like, oh yeah, well, it's like the, you know, classic thing that you, oh, you're a trainer, so you can work out all day. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, not everyone would have that luxury, but you can do little things all day to, to help, to help it out. And yeah. you can set yourself up in a, in a much better way to help promote that. Even if your job isn't showing people mobility. And it's not black and white. It's like, you can, okay, you can just switch to a standing desk. Are you prioritizing that? Yeah. It's harder for you to be able to stand and not sit at work, but it's still possible. It just involves a tiny bit more work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like people see these things as hard barriers when really they're not. You know, we always tell people if you break down sitting into optional, non-optional, sitting at work is optional because your boss or your employer cannot say you cannot force you to put your your body in a shitty position that we know is terrible for you. They cannot force you to do that. No, okay, exactly. They might make it difficult for you to engineer an environment that gets you out of that. But you can take some crappy milk crate and put it on top of your desk and create your own you know, I always tell people the uglier and shittier your standing desk creation is, the more likely your workplace is going to buy you one, right? <laughs> so, so, but, but don't look at these things as hard bears. Hard, like non-optional sitting, there really isn't that much in that column at the end of the day. Vehicles, if you have a lot of commuting, that's one of them because I don't know of a car you can stand in yet. But, but a lot of these things that people see as, oh, I have to sit because, because of X, it's like, well, do you, you know, like, do, yeah. are you, can you can change that if you want to it's not i'm not saying it's just like you know flick your fingers and it's changed but if it's important enough to you which it should be you can modify that exactly so i think one of the final things to maybe touch on is that now it comes down to we've built our base up um so after the base maybe decide like what are your goals with running do you want to is your goal to train for a specific race and then if so i think that just taking society's perception of the the different random race, arbitrary race distances that we've created, um, just like choosing like, what do you want to do? And then what is a good goal for me? And and then how, maybe how should I progress towards that goal? And again, you can, 
if if your goal is to just go all out, like let's put yourself in, like if somebody, if you had to run for your for your life, I could probably run like an ultra marathon if I if I had if my life depended on it. Um, even though I'm not ready for it, right? If mm-hmm. somebody's like you know, um, somebody's dying or your family's dying, you need to go. Like I would I would be able to run. Yeah. I would get there somehow. I'd probably walk along the way, run around, but I, I would I would finish probably an ultra marathon. I, I might die along the way, but and you'd probably be and if probably you succeeded, just, you'd be broke I'd be down. My yeah. body would be just, and I'd understand that, but I would understand also that the reason why I went this crazy is because I wanted to save my family or whatever, right? Yeah. So now that's an extreme example, but we can cut the example down to your race. So, but I feel so like a lot of a lot of people, you know, are like okay. You get you get these people too. I know you do. There's a military um, like charity 10k, and yeah. someone that never runs that exactly. sits at a desk all day is like, you know what? In three weeks, I'm going to do the 10k. That's what I'm talking and about. And you look yeah. at them, you're like, oh my lord! Like, do you, have do you run? Have you ever run? No, no, no. no. But I'm going to do it because my my aunt, my sister's doing it or something like that, and she's mm-hmm. a runner. So I, she asked me if I could do it with her. It's like you do understand that running is is a skill and you don't even have the hardware prerequisites to do that and they're like yeah but i want to do it it's a, it's a goal yeah you know it's almost so, like they prioritize you're like you know even if you as want long them. as they're aware so the big yeah. thing is like it's not that they can't like that's fine but just know like first of all keep all the principles in mind you might have to walk a lot during these things whatever distance you choose but Maybe it's better to look at a more like feasible distance um, based on what you specifically can or can't do in the training that you do. Yeah. Um, but again, or you make the executive decision saying like, okay, well, this might, based on that, it's out, it's out of my, what I probably should be doing. So that's okay. Um, so I'm either really going to pace myself or I'm going to be okay with the fact that it might, uh, you know, I might have to recover for a few weeks after this. It might put me back. And that's fine. Again, it, it's based on that, what your it's just based on what you're aware of and what you're comfortable with or what you're able, willing to accept in terms of, um, because like there's this weird thing. If you take like more of the, there is that aspect of it. The, the ultra runner community, uh, Ironmans, there is almost like the punishment aspect that actually drives them towards it. So that's not something that we want to necessarily affect. Cause a lot of those people are well aware that they feel like death for like a week after their races. Yeah. And they're also a lot of, maybe some of them, maybe not others, but they're also aware that's not necessarily good for you. I think a lot of people fe- understand that if you can't walk for days and, and like you're, you know, it feels like your legs are broken, like, probably not good for your body but some people think that that's part of running that's the like all we're trying to do is make sure they like have the all the information ultra to make mar- a good decision i'm talking about like the crazy like yeah. iron man uh ultra marathon but those are kind the of exception no right? exactly but that's what i'm saying like you can make you can use the exception and and scale it down to make an example of other things that are less extreme so so you can take that and say like okay well the person who hasn't run if they're running a half marathon or like a 10k even um just kind of know these things just have all these things in your mind so that you can make a mm-hmm. make a good decision and not be um kind of flabbergasted when you are like when you sustain maybe a potential uh injury or, or whatever it is along the way so i think the biggest point we're trying to make is pick what do you want to com- even compete at all maybe you don't because a lot of runners just do the competition thing because again maybe maybe they want to but maybe they're just like oh well I, that's i guess what you should do as a runner like sign up for a race maybe you don't want to uh, compete and just be honest with yourself and be like i, I want to run because I, I like running and that's cool too then it makes it easier because then it's like well i'm just going to go based on uh how much i can naturally get out of myself as i as i progress slowly so 
And making that fork is like, are you running to compete or are you running for health or for the enjoyment of running? Or is it both? So so is it, I think the biggest thing we're trying to, point we're trying to make is choose what your goals are. Is it competition? Is it health? Is it both? Is it because I just like running? Um, And then tailor your training to it uh, and then make realistic expectations on yourself based on what you choose. And maybe you want to run a marathon, but maybe this isn't the year to do it. Maybe it's Maybe it's the year that you start. Maybe a marathon is feasible in like two years or maybe three years even mm-hmm. as you so slowly build up that tolerance. And then maybe you can keep doing marathons because you did it the right way as opposed to doing a marathon, getting injured for half the year, which I've seen many, many times. We're just being honest here. Um, and then you can't do marathons for a long time and you want to, right? So that's yeah. it's just a matter of like And only can you not do marathons, but like walking is now uncomfortable. Yeah, I, like, I've seen that too. So, so just... I think just planning and structuring and looking at long-term as opposed to short-term and deciding what you want to do with the running. Yeah, and I think a lot of people that run for health reasons or run because they enjoy running, if they do it the right way, those people become the people that end up wanting to run for competition where they're like, okay, now I want a bit more of a challenge. I've made sure I put everything in place to be able to develop a sustainable running technique. I'm not overtraining. I was patient because I didn't have this competition goal. But now that I'm in a good place and I see myself building capacity and being able to run, you know, with only the mindset of running within my tolerance and within my abilities, I see myself increasing distances. Now I want to challenge myself for time. And that's a good way to come about it. Um, But I think, you know, the tendency when there's a competition on the line is to rush things, is to Mm -hmm. rush things. And those are, you know, this perpetual carousel of, ooh, this kind of hurts. This doesn't feel so good today. Uh, I actually have to like bring back my training because I'm injured right now. It's so crazy how many runners are getting injured. And like you said, it's not about telling them what to do. It's about informing them so they can make a better decision about how to regulate their own training. Mm -hmm. Right. Because half the time they go and see a health professional or a doctor and they're being given shitty advice. Like they're not being given good advice because you're not going, number one, you're often not going to someone that understands movement, that understands a baseline level of knowledge about the technique of running. Um, and it's that, usually and like can a, give you helpful advice. It's like a dual. It's either like people just want the should I run? Should I keep running or or no? It's either like I'd stop running or I keep running. But there's no like okay, well, let's look a little deeper than that. So because yeah. they, they shouldn't be that get, binary. No. Um, so yeah, I think I think all these factors play a part in um, in the way you look at running. Maybe you maybe you are a runner. Maybe you're you're new to it. But just keep these things in mind over time, right? So. I think they can help you a lot um, and make sure you, if you want to be serious with running, then make sure everything is kind of helping you that you do outside of running um, and, and that you're preparing yourself the best way so you can compete at the level you want to compete at. And if you just like running because you like running, great. That's a lot of people, it's, it's like their meditation and it's mm-hmm. like the thing they like to do. But I would argue that maybe you should do things outside of that so you can keep doing that as your meditation over time because a lot of people when running is taken away from them, they feel like shit and they're like, that was the only thing that kept me sane. Mm-hmm. Now I can't do that anymore. Yeah. Okay, so the, so again, it always comes down to let's make this a sustainable thing if you like it, right? Well, let's talk about some um, running running red flags. Okay, so running red flags are things that would be a an easy indicator for you to see that you really need to reevaluate how you're moving and shift towards focusing on the skill of running and other background stuff you need to do, whether it's mobility work or tissue tolerance or whatever, to say I need to work on something. I need to change something. Okay, maybe, and, and in that core category is perhaps switching to more minimal footwear to allow you to get kind of guided towards better um, running technique. So running red flags. Do you get injured regularly every year when you run? Yeah. That's a running red flag. 
or do you develop pain as a part of your running season? Like, yeah. do you start during the running season? Do you get back pain? Do you get knee pain? Or do yeah. you get pain starting? At, and is it related to your running? So that's so that's number one. Yeah. Number two, do you find yourself always having to take Advil or Tylenol? You know, and that's pretty in line with the whole pain thing. It's like you shouldn't be taking anti-inflammatories like chiclets. Some people take them before a run because they know they're going to be in pain after a run. That's a big red flag. Yeah. Another red flag. Can you take your shoes off with nothing on your feet and go down with hip width apart and do a comfortable squat and achieve a comfortable squat position that you could hold for a minute? If you can't, that's a running red flag. Yeah. And that doesn't tell you exactly what the problem is, but it says, you know, it's either your ankles are so tight that you can't do that. Your hips aren't mobile enough or your brain doesn't know. It doesn't have the software to to help you be able to get down to a squat, all of which are problems and will materialize in running, even though running is not the exact squat position. Another running red flag, can you balance on one leg for a minute without falling over or without feeling like you're about to fall over every second? I was going to say, like, what's your single leg stability like? But even further than that is, like, what's your single leg strength like, just baseline? What's your lunge look like? Or what's your, like, you know, even mini single leg squat look like? So just, just what is your strength specific, running specific strength look like? And that's, that's going to help you or har- or hinder you depending on what that looks like. Yeah. So if you can't control your knee in space with like a single or a few lunges, then that's going to be a red little little bit of a red flag for the running season. Yeah, I and mean, I think a good goal is for eventually, you know, TFC is going to eventually start putting out more YouTube content because when we say what's your single leg control like, a lot of times people listening to this will be like, I have no idea what to look for, what not to look for. They could do a super ugly mini single leg squat and be like, oh yeah, this feels pretty good. You know, so I think being able to give, you know, my goal with those red flags was like, people know either it's a pro- like if you balance on one leg, if you can't do it, that's a problem. And that's mm. like binary. It's either I can do it or I can do it or um, or I, I can do it or I can't do it rather. And, you know, eventually we want to expand that and even doing like a basic squat video and saying, okay, barefoot body weight squat, feet, hip width apart, parallel. These are the things to look for. If you can't do this, maybe you can go down this road. Maybe you can try this and like giving people like a, a troubleshooting video for their squat, right? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I can't do a squat. That's a red flag. How do I now work on it? So a big goal with over time as we have more resources um, will be to ramp up the the content where it's like we could even have a running specific section where we yeah. help people, you know, these are helpful drills. These are helpful progressions, all that kind of stuff. Um, because I think the audio stuff is good, but it doesn't tell the whole story of being able to help people understand, okay, I know this now, but what do I do? Exactly. So anyway, hopefully that gives everyone a a kind of a fresh perspective. Like I said, we're coming at this from the standpoint of people in Canada. Winter is about to be over. Uh, A lot of people are going to be getting back outside, running higher mileage, getting back to their running. And, you know, it's it's this if you are that runner in in a place where we have seasons and you don't run as much in the winter, every single year is an opportunity to basically revisit. And, you know, even if it's just sitting down and and for like five minutes and be like, okay. What are my goals in terms of running this year? My goal, you know, like you said, maybe your goal is not get injured. That's a good goal. Mm-hmm. And it's within your grasp and within your control. You know, what are things I need to prioritize? How do I get better at figuring out what that rate limiting step is? You know, how do I develop and pattern in um, some joint hygiene, like a mobility routine that carries through the entire year for the sake of health, but within the running season for the sake of being able to express optimal running uh, technique or optimal running form? Um, are my is my footwear affecting how I run because it very well may be um, and then the said principle like just being patient building a tolerance starting with intuitive running where you just go based on how you feel and not based on what a piece of paper says you should be doing um, 
and uh, you know a skipping regiment and just kind of like a baseline strength regiment because these are all things that tie into making you a better runner long term and take a long term viewpoint. Yeah, right? like we always talk about that. Everyone's always short term. Oh, the next race or or whatever. It's like, well, maybe you just think long term so that you can be a good runner and continue running for the rest of your life and don't have to stop because your kneecaps don't have cartilage in them anymore. Exactly. So, anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. Got some good info and uh, we'll catch you next week.